And on a beautiful night here at the Coliseum, the lights have taken full effect. Welcome to Taking Effect, an Oakland A's podcast with Ken Korak. Now, with an inside look at the A's, here's Ken. Scott Emerson has done it all in the A's organization. Scott pitched in the minor leagues in the Baltimore, Boston, and Arizona systems. And after a stint coaching in the Pirates organization, he joined the A's in 2003 and has served as a minor league pitching coach and also as the A's roving pitching instructor. Now in his second year as the A's bullpen coach, Scott presides over a veteran group and certainly a revamped bullpen from the one the A's had in 2015. And so far in 2016, that bullpen has been lights out. Well, Scott Emerson joins us uh, on our show today. And Scott, first of all, I want to go back to the offseason because the A's made a lot of news with the acquisitions of several veteran relievers, um, guys like Madsen and Liam Hendricks and then uh, Sipchinski and... Um, John Axford gets signed by the A's. So when all that was going down, what were you thinking as the bullpen coach? Well, you're, you're thinking uh, hopefully we upgraded our bullpen from last year, and, you know, everything's on paper looks much better. But unfortunately, you got to go out there and, and play the game. So, uh, But what I like about is these guys are professional veterans, and they know what it takes to get the job done and limit the damage. And so far the attitude of these guys is – has been very professional and uh, they know their craft. They've been around a long time, all of them, and uh, they're really anxious for the season and it, it, uh, it's great to see as the bullpen coach. Have you seen the collective personality of this bullpen develop in the spring? Well, yeah, you know, you got a lot of different personalities and that's as a coach, you're, you're, not, you're not really managing the bullpen, you're kind of managing the people, you know, and, and each guy has a different personality and instead of having them adjust to you you adjust to them and keep them comfortable and you know we got some wild and crazy guys down there and, and some good personalities and some good conversation going on down in that bullpen so so far it's been a lot of fun you've you I mean you guys are you, you try to stay in the game obviously but there is some stuff that goes down there um, in the bullpen and I've heard about some of the personalities and wackiness that goes on because after all you've got some time to kill out there don't you yeah, you know, obviously we're hoping those starters can uh, go deep into the ball game, and uh, you know, you're talking about several different uh, topics every night. And uh, but when we're pitching, the guys are really focused on uh, the task at hand and how to get each hitter out. We'll pass around the scouting book. We'll talk about each hitter. We'll uh, pick up their tendencies during the game. What they're doing? Are they early swinging? Are they chasing outside the strike zone? And then we're hitting. There's a little bit more. There's a lot of bathroom breaks in Oakland. Guys running down to the to the bathroom. And uh, that's the time that they can kind of uh, not stress as much, you know, kind of uh, loosen up and breathe a little bit. And then, but once we're pitching, it's all business down there. Give us a sense of that and the scouting reports and what goes into when you're watching the game with the rest of the guys in the bullpen and the things you're watching for. Well, obviously, we got uh, unbelievable uh, statistics and numbers that we get from the front office and. Uh, you know, we decipher the information, and then during the game, you're also deciphering the information. Say you got a guy who's not much of a first pitch swinger, and all of a sudden tonight he's three out of four. You know, you start telling the guys, hey, this guy's three out of four tonight on first pitch swings, or he's swinging with runners in scoring position, or a guy that's having a bad night uh, chasing sliders outside the strike zone. You just kind of remind the guys, hey, he's chased a lot of sliders outside the strike zone, or 
he's maybe late on fastballs and you're talking to him about, hey, this guy, I know he's a good fastball hitter, but if we're watching the game tonight, he's a little late. Maybe something's going on. Maybe he's not seeing the ball real well tonight. And you're just constantly watching the game and trying to decipher the information. And, uh, you know, sometimes too much information is too much overkill. You know, you, you want the guys to go out there and pitch to their strengths. Uh, but ultimately, you know, hopefully your pitchers can pitch to the hitter's weaknesses and that they can exploit a hitter's weakness with a strength. I've always felt, and looking around the American League, let's face it, some of these bullpens, those aren't the best seats in the house. So how do you stay focused on what's going on during the games out there? Yeah, some of the pens, it's real long. You know, I remember last year in San Diego, you're way out in center field and you really can't see much. Some bullpens actually have televisions. It's got a, about a five-second delay, but uh, you can kind of watch the game, and then you turn back to the TV to see what really happened or where that pitch really was. So, uh, you know, sometimes it's difficult uh, to, to call pitches. Good thing that they have a radar gun in most ballparks, and you can look at the radar gun and, and kind of determine what pitch was thrown. And uh, so, you know, at times it does get difficult to see, but uh, I think we do a pretty good job. Texas looks to me to be a god-awful place in the summertime out there. Yeah, when you're in Texas, uh, the, the seats actually are, uh, I guess, vertical to the field. So you can't, if you sit where they want you to sit, you can't see the game at all. You're pointing yourself towards center field. So you got to sit in the bullpen, uh, kind of in between the, the, the mound and the plate and put the chairs outside. And, and it's hot out there. But, uh, you know, that's what we, we, we all love this game. And that's what we're here for is to watch those games and, and bear the elements. The Coliseum is pretty unique. You guys are right out there on the field. What's that like? No, it, it, the fans are right there, and we got the best fans in baseball. And uh, to be able to be on the field during the game, that, that's pretty, you know, good action. You know, obviously when when we call down to the pen and I got to get up, you know, I got to be a little bit more aware of what's going on behind me because the game's behind me. But, uh, you know, it's a great seat. This is unique as we're recording this sitting in the dugout in San Francisco because they – Let's face it, they don't really have bullpens here, do they? Yeah, there's an opportunity for the guys to you know, watch the game basically from the dugout. And then uh, basically instead of Kurt calling on the telephone, he'll just say something to me and then we'll all run down to the corner and, and, and get them ready. Is there a guy that's emerged as, um, I guess, the leader in the bullpen so far this year? Well, I, I mean, Sean Doolittle, he, he's, he's been on the, on the club a long time and uh, you know, he's the closer. So, you know, he, he leads by example. But all these guys so far, you know, you're, they're coming from different organizations, a lot of them, and it looks like they've all led before and, and been centerpieces to their bullpens. So uh, it's great to see them start gelling. And as the season goes on, hopefully we can gel and, and get these guys uh, going on the right page. Middle of a ball game and, and the starting pitcher gets in trouble and it happens really quickly. How fast can your guys get ready down there in the pen? Well, uh, I'm... Zabchensky the other day in a spring training game told me he was ready within six pitches of him throwing. So I think, I uh, can't remember right offhand who our starting pitcher was, but he had like three pitches, and wow. Zepps turned to me and said, I'm ready if they need me. So generally, you know, these guys are, are professionals. They're trying to be ahead of the game, trying to read the situations. If it's their time, they're moving around, getting loose. The guys have already gone through a throwing program throughout the day. They're stretching, they're moving, so it doesn't take them very long. Ryan Madsen has always been considered a great clubhouse guy, and his story is intriguing because you look back a couple of years ago, 
it was like his, his baseball career was basically done. How much have you gotten to know him so far? And what about the story that he brings to this club um, and the perseverance he's shown to fight back on his career? Yeah, missing two years is, is remarkable for a guy to come back and to have the stuff that he has. You know, we're, we're still in the developing the relationship stage, you know, but so far he's been an awesome guy. I mean, you pick his brain, you learn from him, you ask him what he wants, and uh, he asks me what I need. And, uh, you know, when you got a veteran guy like that, uh, who's willing to make adjustments, willing to change, and, and asking about some things, that's a lot of fun. You've known Kurt Young for a long time as you're in your 14th year in the A's organization, starting as a pitching coach down in single A and then double A, triple A, and then time as the A's uh, pitching coordinator. How would you describe the relationship that you have with Kurt? I, I, I think it's awesome. You know, I, I think we're to the point where we're answering each other's questions. And, uh, you know, like I say, uh, I'm, I'm Kurt's assistant down there. Uh, I think he's a great pitching coach, and uh, I feed him as many ideas as he's feeding me. You know, my job is to, to help him, and I, I see myself as trying to make his job as easy as possible. And whatever he needs me to do, if it's helping starters, scouting reports, helping relievers, uh, you know, I think my personality is if I see something, I'm going to say something, and I, I can't go without saying anything. And it's just how my presentation to Kurt is if I see something. And generally, you know, he, he's been great with me. He tells me I got, you know, autonomy to do what I want, but uh, I'm going to respect the fact that he's the pitching coach, and uh, I just give him the ideas and tell him exactly what I see, and and uh, either he'll he'll go and fix it or he'll he'll say, well, go ahead and go fix something. So it, I think it's awesome. I've always thought, um, Scott, that Kurt Young is the best game planner among the pitching coaches in the game. In other words, when the pitcher and catcher go out there to start a game they've got a great idea as to the plan would you agree with that yeah outstanding job uh, you know and his mental toughness uh, to the pitchers is is probably second to none there you know we've always preached in the whole organization separation is preparation you got to prepare and you know uh what's the saying fail to plan plan to fail so we we, we want to be uh, prepared as possible to, to to be one step ahead of the other team and kurt does a great job at that yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, I want to go back through your career because you grew up in the Phoenix area, or at least spent a lot of time there, and then went to junior college there. You get drafted, you pitch in the minor leagues for several years. Did you think at that point that you had a shot to make it in the big leagues as a pitcher? Well, you know, a funny story in 93, I was sitting in the dugout in uh, Albany, Georgia, watching our own team take infield, and our hitting coordinator, Wally Moon, so what are you doing in here? And I said, man, these guys are pretty good. If I can't get to the big leagues as a player, I'm sure as heck going to try to get there as a coach. And, uh, you know, I gave it everything I had as a player. I got no uh, regrets. Uh, I laid it all out on the field. I really honestly believe I did that and fell short as a player. But mostly I want the players to respect me as a coach for what I'm going to do to help them, you know. And uh, it, it's been a great feeling. But, uh, you know, it, my career was, you know, six, seven good years, and uh, I gave it everything I had. But. I love this game, and uh, I love being around the players, and I love helping people. The Wally Moon of the Moon Shots to left field at the Coliseum in L.A.? That was him. That was him. Did you ever talk to him about that? Yeah, we talked about it, and I always told him, wasn't it like 275 down the line? 250. And, and, and he said, well, I hit it out of any ballpark. <laughs> I remember going to those games. I mean, I'm dating myself back at the Coliseum. Um, when the call came before last year, that you were going to come up and uh, be part of the ace coaching staff as the bullpen coach. And after all the years in the minor leagues of playing and coaching, 
Can you describe the thrill when you got that call? Uh, it's, you know, I really wanted to call my parents, you know, uh, my, both my mom, my dad, and my brother and sister, you know, have, have supported me my whole life in my sports career. And, uh, you know, I didn't want to cut off Bob, but I kind of wanted to cut off Bob so I could call my parents. This is Bob Melvin. Yeah, so, uh, you know, it was a great, great feeling, great honor to, to one, get to uh, the big leagues with this organization and work so hard uh and so long with these guys that you know this organization is, is truly like family to me i mean they they just i mean you go around my house and it's green and gold everywhere and i, I still got t-shirts that say 2003 spring training on it so it was a tremendous honor and to be able to work with uh bob melvin as the manager and kurt and all the guys up here it's i mean I'm blessed every day to come out here put this uniform on and go out and help this team and get to our goal and that's to win a world series opening night did you have to pinch yourself before the first pitch and looking around the ballpark well i, I when the anthem hit you know uh the anthem hits and that's when you realize wow you know you, you got you got up here and uh you know may not have been as a player but now you know as a player it's you and when you're trying to help 25 other people on the team and players that that's even better uh, North Carolina, how did that come about as far as making the offseason home back in Carolina? Well, my, my, I met my wife at uh, Trot Nixon's wedding, a former teammate of mine with the Red Sox. And uh, I was in his wedding. He was in my wedding. And uh, my wife and his wife grew up together and were best friends since they were going to uh, nursery school at like one years old. So uh, we call that home. You know, I got a great wife, and she lets me come out here for seven months. So I figure I better live where she wants to live. Are you a NASCAR fan? Because if you look at the bio, it says Scott Emerson, Rockingham, North Carolina. Well, I did go to the last race in, uh, I think it was 2002, at the Rock. And, uh, you know, I'd love to get some more races in that place. Uh, but NASCAR left. They actually put a second race in Phoenix and maybe even Las Vegas a second race. Yeah. So uh, they lost their race. And, um, you know, that was kind of uh, heartbreaking. But... Uh, I'll watch NASCAR every now and then. I like the last 10 laps. Yeah. Trot Nixon, I'm sure he's a great guy, but A's fans don't want to hear that name necessarily because he had a devastating home run against the A's in Game 3 of the 2003 Division Series in the 11th inning off Rich Harden at Fenway Park. Did you ever talk to him about that? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, it was kind of bittersweet. You know, uh, I was with the A's. That, that was my first year in the organization, and I was watching the game, and of course you know i'm rooting for our team and then he hit the home run and and you know after they won the series in the game you know i said that was, a, that was an unbelievable moment in time for him and uh you know hopefully we can turn the tables and and uh, get back at him but i have been able to get him in some a's gear you know, i get him some a's gear for christmas and he wears it around and uh, <laughs> so that's been fun if i'm living in north carolina i'm going to college basketball games every night what about you well, I've been to a few, you know, Trot's uh, a big Duke supporter, got some season tickets, so I've uh, been to the Dukies, I've seen uh, NC State, and nothing better than ACC basketball, I mean, that, that's unbelievable basketball. I want to go back, too, because we talked about being the uh, minor league pitching coordinator, what's involved in that job? Man, that's, that's, that's work, you know, that's, that's definitely a lot of work, you're in charge of roughly 90 to 100 pitchers, 10 pitching coaches. And uh, you're trying to implement the guidelines and the plan that the organization has set forth. Uh, the A's, by, by far, in my opinion, the best farm director in baseball with Keith Lippman. And he, he uh, 
and I sat down. We talked about the pitching plan. And, and you know, the pitching plan with the organization, Rick Peterson pretty much started the plan. Ron Romanic took over the plan. Uh, Gil Patterson took over the plan. Garvin Alston and myself took over the plan. And we just tried to implement uh, a better plan every year and, and let it evolve, get it better each and every year, use the science in the game. What is it whether it's from throwing programs weight training and, and how to get pitchers better mental toughness so i i a true disciple of all of those guys rick peterson i had as a uh, player and ron romantic taught me a ton of pitching kurt young ton of pitching and gil patterson those guys with keith Littman have been very influential to me and so when you're the pitching coordinator you you collaborate and you get all these ideas and you put it into the you know the the circle and, and you go from there. And I, I think this organization has got the best pitching plan in the game. And I really believe that. What is the plan? I mean, I've, I've, in talking to Billy Bean, I know in the acquisition of players for the big league club, he's always stressed keeping the ball in the ballpark and throwing strikes. But you talked about the plan in the minor leagues. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Well, we do have a throwing program that we use. So each, each guy comes out and, and they go through a throwing program, depending on what they do each and every day. Uh, their next day gets structured off of what they've done in the past and then you know p pitching philosophies which which most organizations have you know pretty similar pitching philosophies you would think you know if hitting's timing pitching is disruption of timing how are we going to disrupt a hitter's timing you know mechanic wise we're really not into cookie cutting where we have everybody look the same but we take we do have some things we like to see balance direction and finish moving to our target throwing down the hill using the slope of the mound uh, and throwing the ball top to bottom is, is always tough for, for hitters. So we try to incorporate all that and uh, pitching inside obviously is a key part. Having the ability to throw an off-speed pitch and a fastball count I think is huge. And I think that's why what separates big leaguers from minor leaguers is that 2-1-1-0 pitch. Can the pitcher at 1-0 get back in the count at 1-1? And can the pitcher at 2-1 get back in the count at 2-2 with something other than their fastball? And if these guys can do that, no matter how good their pitch is, if you can get back in the count, you gave yourself a chance. Do minor league pitchers have to show you that and the rest of the organization before they can advance to another level? Well, you know, they go out there and they, they do the things we want them to do. Obviously, each level, you know, is in you're trying something different. Per se, uh, in A ball, you want these guys really to pitch inside. You know, they've got to have the ability to pitch inside. In low A ball, we just want them to be able to throw a curveball for a strike. They get up to uh, the next level, high A ball. We want them not only to throw it for a strike, but we want them to be able to throw it for a strike behind in the count and then maybe be able to backdoor it to the arm side. So, you know, each level has some sort of different expectations. You hit these expectations at A ball and you go to double A, we want you to hit those expectations. And then, you know, triple A is kind of like the, what I call the minor league, major leagues. They're a phone call away. They have to, the development kind of stops. You know, you, you got double A to finish off your development. Triple A, you're just going out there, you're pitching, you're getting ready for that phone call to the big leagues. And uh, I think our organization is second to none in development pitching. You know, last year, as you know, as we're getting started with the new season and the, the high expectations for the club, and I think a lot of that revolves around the changes we talked about with the bullpen. It was a tough year for the A's bullpen last year, but nobody ever said they're not giving maximum effort or that they're not competing. How would you describe what happened? Was there a loss in confidence, or how do you put a finger on it? Well, yeah, it's, it's hard to describe. I mean, I think we had over 31 run losses. And that, that tells me we're in every game. 
I mean, it felt like uh, the losses last year hurt a lot because uh, we're in every game in the seventh inning, and then all of a sudden, boom, you got hit on the on the chin, and, and we went down for the count. So this year, we got to have that toughness that uh, we can't let things snowball. You know, they always say, you know, hitting is contagious, pitching is contagious, well, losing's contagious. So we got to get out of that roller coaster uh, sooner than later, and uh, you know, be positive. Winning, winning culture creates wins. So we got to go out there every day and on the positive side believe we can win and believe me when you lose 31 run games or so you're in every game you know you got to just find a way to win those games and uh, i think this year that uh, that emphasis is hey we, we got to not worry about the past let's worry about the future let's go on and, and play the game the right way and if you play the game the right way things will work out for you it's an example too of the fine line between winning and losing and the fine line between having a good record and a mediocre record right yeah I mean I I, I just sat all last year evaluating last season and saying man we were way better than our record you know I mean I didn't see any time we took the field last year I didn't think man we're, we're, we don't have a chance I mean every game last year we were in we had a chance to win so hopefully this year we can flip that and actually win these games. You know, we, you know, these guys, they work hard every day. Believe me, these guys bust, bust their rear ends to come out here, work hard, and um, you know, it's just about finding that way to win. And uh, if you know, that's that's the goal. Good stuff, man. Thanks for the visit. Thank you.